He charged me with resisting arrest. Get that confidence in jail. I object. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Allegedly Bravo. I'm Cash. And I'm Lauren. And we have a very special guest with us. So special. Allegra. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me, guys. Of course. Hi, Allegra. Allegra is from the Legally 40-ish podcast. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? I'm obsessed with it. I love it. (laughs) Well, thank you. Yeah. So I have a podcast with one of my best friends. Her name is Natasha Axelrod. And we are two 40-ish attorneys and we break down legal issues in pop culture and politics in 40-ish minutes. That's the goal anyway. Sometimes (laughs) it's way longer than 40-ish and sometimes it's just me. But yes, we're attorneys and we talk about all these legal issues. Some of them, the same ones you two love and talk about, but Natasha's a politics and con law lover. So we go in that area as well. You guys just did such a good episode breaking down the leaked SCOTUS opinion. I loved that episode. I thought you guys did a great job. So everyone go check out Legally 40-ish. And today we will be covering a very special topic. I'm going to play a clip to give you a hint of who it is. I understand what I've done is illegal. It's wrong. But it's fixable. The charges that I pled to were wire fraud, bank fraud and mail fraud. I basically controlled shell corporations and I got caught because a co-conspirator got into a bind and decided to bring me in. My wife and children, they left and the woman that I thought was supposed to be there for me and cherished me, she's nowhere to be found. Oh, wow. My God. Oh, you guys. Is that a clip from obviously Real Houses of Atlanta, like right after he was convicted and season seven, episode one, the day he's supposed to go to sentencing. It was like three hours before his sentencing. I have so many questions. So I'm unfortunately, I feel like I'm those memes that you see on all the Bravo accounts about the people who love housewives, but don't watch Atlanta. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Cash's face right now. I know. I know. That's probably going to be someone's criminal behavior. Yeah. I'm going to kick my criminal behavior to the curb and I'm going to take that one. (laughs) And I can't tell you why there's probably no good reason. Of course, I know who the people are because I do love all things Bravo and follow lots of Bravo accounts. And, you know, I'm into Us Weekly and all of the news and gossip. So I know who the players are but I just don't watch the show regularly. So I had no idea until I was getting ready for today's episode, how involved Apollo was in the show and whether any of this played out on Real Housewives Atlanta. So this is super juicy to me. It's so juicy. I am a diehard Atlanta fan. I think maybe Lauren falls somewhere in the middle, Mm -hmm. but I love Atlanta. I love the Atlanta ladies. When Atlanta dropped recently it seriously like made me emotional they're just (laughs) iconic women like they give you the shade they give you the gossip they're powerful women they have it all they truly do and they bring the styles and I just love it and so I'm excited to have somewhat of a novice yeah I know (laughs) me too well and I did start a Sunday I watched last week's premiere episode because I just feel like why not now's better, better than ever to get involved. So I watched it and I was like grinning from ear to ear. I was like, this is so fun. And these ladies are so funny. It's so fun. They are so critical of one another, but they also have great senses of humor where they can kind of let it roll off, but then like water off their back, but then they sometimes don't. And it causes them to actually get into physical fights sometimes. And I just <laughs> yeah. So wait, Allegra, I have a question for you before we get 
topic in terms of like your bravo sphere that you watch and like dedicate your time to do you pick and choose shows or are you an all-in consumer where you watch everything so I would say I'm mostly all in I started watching bravo probably I loved queer eye I loved Blowout. So like back in the day, back back in the day. But then when Real Housewives of Orange County was coming out, I was all in because I'm born and raised in Orange County. I was obsessed with Desperate Housewives at the time. And I'm older than you guys. So like I was probably about, I don't know, maybe 23-ish when it came out. And I remember Joe De La Rosa, who was like the young, you know. She was like 23 or something. Yeah, so about my age. Yeah. Yeah, isn't that crazy to think how young she was when she got on that show? Yes. Completely. Yeah, and I remember seeing her when I lived in LA, like at a club and being like, oh my God. And it was before (laughs) it's how it is now. But like, yeah, so I was so, I was all in because I'm like, I'm from Orange County. I want to see what they're going to portray on television. So that got me into like the housewives world. Mm -hmm. But then I didn't really stick with all of the new franchises that kept coming out Mm -hmm. just because of, I guess, time, whatever. But I watch Vanderpump Rules is one of my favorite shows. I hate it now, but I was, I loved Vanderpump. I love Below Deck. I watch most of the housewives, not all of them. But yeah, so I guess I would say I'm 90% in. How about that? Yeah. (laughs) Well, God bless you. I can push all the other shows to the side, like the below decks and because I have to watch my housewives. Like, I don't know what it is, even if I'm not even paying attention, like if it's on in the background, like they just bring me so much joy. Yeah. And Atlanta, I was so excited to talk about Apollo. (laughs) I know me too. Cash was like, can we please do it? Can we please talk about it? I was like, sure, let's go. It's a fascinating story because of who he was married to. Exactly. I think that is really what is the most intriguing part of it. And even how their relationship was played out on TV, it's so complex. But okay, do you want to do the intro, Lauren? Sure. So we're talking about Apollo Nita, who is the husband, former husband. I think they're officially divorced, right? Yeah. They're divorced. Former husband of one of my favorite housewives of all time, Phaedra Parks. And Phaedra Parks is a really well-known entertainment lawyer. And she Mm -hmm. represented people like Bobby Brown. And she's been a legal analyst on like a bunch of news channels and stuff. And so it's crazy that she married someone who did fraud. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, a legitimate habitual criminal. I mean, he is. Yeah. Their relationship was always something that intrigued me early on, even before these criminal charges dropped. Mm Mm-hmm we were made aware of him you always got a vibe from him like there's something off here like this relationship doesn't make sense and I don't know like if you know this but there was controversy around the time of when Phaedra got pregnant okay no I know nothing about it because he was in prison like right before they got married right he may have been okay because from the research I did I thought he got out sometime in like 2009 May and then they were married in like November 2009 yes I think you're correct because okay she gets pregnant or they get married and then she gets pregnant almost immediately. But it plays out on the show where she's like, yeah, I'm only like six months pregnant. She's got this like full blown belly. And then she like <laughs> goes into labor and everyone's like, wait, if you're not going to have an eight pound child, if you're having a preemie, you know, <laughs> because she comes from like a deeply Christian, maybe Southern Baptist home. I think her mom's a pastor. So there was this like stigma, obviously, around her being pregnant or having a child out of wedlock. But it was hilarious. Like she is such a smart human being, but she would not let this go. She just held on to this lie and she went full force with it. And I don't think she's ever admitted that she had this child before or they got pregnant before they got married. I don't think she ever will. (laughs) 
No, I don't. So it was more of like, she's trying to hide the fact that this might've been a shotgun wedding. Not that yes. this was some like prison pregnancy or anything, right? No, 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 no. It was, <laughs> okay. more that it was a shotgun wedding. <laughs> got it. And the reason why they got married was because she got pregnant. And so then like knowing that and having that in the back of your head while you're watching them together, you see like, okay, these are two people that are forced to kind of be in this relationship. And Phaedra is just, I just love Phaedra so much. I love her so much. And watching her in that relationship with him was hard because I think he's a vile. I don't understand how she married him. If she is like a well-respected attorney, I mean, I guess you can't help who you fall in love with, but someone in prison, I feel like is not the most ideal person for an attorney to be in love with. I mean, he was really, he's hot. He's really, I mean, he's really attractive. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Can I ask you guys a question? Yeah. Have you ever watched the show Love After Lockup? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, because I'm obsessed with that show. (laughs) It's like a Friday night. That's what my husband and I do. It's like, these are wild Friday nights at our age. It's like, (laughs) are you ready to watch Love After Lockup? And so that kind of... Do we know based on like their timeline of their romance, whether she was all in when he was in prison? Like, were they still together? Okay, here, I just found an article. So it says Phaedra revealed that she met Apollo in 1995 after he flagged down her car on the highway in Atlanta. She says, he saw me, flagged me down, we met and he followed me home and walked me up to my doorstep and said, hey, I want you to be my girlfriend. And so that's how we got together. Apollo was extremely nice, always very generous and a really good guy. The couple had an on-again, off-again relationship for about a decade after that encounter, and Apollo initially served a six-year prison sentence in early 2000s in connection to a car theft scheme. After he was released, they picked up again because, as she explained, I thought he was changed. I honestly did. He seemed like he had matured a lot. He was very focused on settling down and having a family. He was still very much in love with me, and I thought he was still cute. (laughs) (laughs) So that... And and Lauren, you make a good point. Like, what is this highly successful attorney doing with this criminal? Yeah, I don't know. And love (laughs) is blind. Love is blind. People do crazy things. He is hot though. He is hot. I don't know her. So it's really hard for me to make any judgment call. And I wish I had a little more understanding of her personality other than like being a successful attorney. I mean, it happens, right? Like you see really strong, powerful women, you know, you fall in love with whoever you fall in love with, but I would imagine she had other options, but that's why I was curious if this was something where she was just like, you know, you met when you're young, you fall in love and you're just going to stick by your man, no matter what he does. It doesn't sound like that was the case. You know, what it reminds me of is that lady from the Alabama prison that ran off with the six foot nine prison guy, they fell in love and she really has no business. There's another story that is breaking right now that is like happening this week where there was a prison guard who was transporting a convicted murderer and they both have disappeared. Wait, another one? Another one? Or is this the same story you're talking about? <laughs> it might be the same story. I didn't know he was 6'9". They both have the same last name, which is your last name. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, the sad part is, is that it happens all the time. And it happens more often than we think. So <laughs> you're talking about another story. On Love After Lockup, there was one couple where the woman was a prison guard and she fell in love with the prison inmate. And I think she got fired because they found out that they were like banging on the job. So yeah, so I guess it's common. But I mean, these guys look at Apollo. He's obviously charming, well-spoken. He knows how to play the game. So she might've just gotten played like other people, you know? Yeah. Yeah, And he is, I think, a mass manipulator. And I think that is obvious in the charges that were brought against him. I mean, Mm -hmm. wire fraud and like all of that. 
where he was scheming on the side and he used and relied on his personality to take advantage of people. And I think as smart as Phaedra is, yeah, I think you're right. Like the emotion of, you know, somebody giving her attention took precedent over any of his criminal history or his past. Yeah. Remember when Phaedra or Phaedra, your favorite, the funny one who married the hot dog king. No, (laughs) not Portia, Kenya. When Kenya was like flirting so hard with Apollo. Yes. He like picked her up and threw her in the pool and like. Oh my God, Allegra, I need you to go back and watch these seasons because they're so good. Like they go on this cast trip. I think they're in like the Bahamas or something. Yeah, somewhere very nice. Kenya, it's like a couple's trip. And Kenya, I think is the only single one at that time. And Kenya and Apollo are flirting. And Apollo picks Kenya up. They fall in the pool, right? Yeah, they fall in the pool. But it's very touchy-feely and it was so uncomfortable. So what season is this? Because Lauren sent me a couple of clips. I think it was season seven. And they definitely don't seem like they get along at all. So I'm curious when this happened. This must have been in the earlier seasons. Yes. So I would say season four. Season five. Oh, season five. When Apollo and Phaedra want to start that fine body P-H-I-N-E. Yes, yes, yes. Fine body like booty workouts. And they're trying to use Kenya's production company. And gosh, sparks are flying between Kenya and Apollo. I mean, he is charming. I mean, look, I think he's so attractive. And I think if I was in a room with him, like I might marry him. You know, (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised. (laughs) You have like the biggest shit eating grin on your face right now. (laughs) I think you've fallen in love. I will be on Love After Lockup. <laughs> <laughs> you do have a criminal background, so maybe he, he clearly needs an attorney. Did you see yeah, you get there? <laughs> yeah. Maybe you'll have to get back into it. <laughs> Lauren, do you remember the infamous photo shoot that they did with the baby when she was pregnant? With the jar of pickles? Oh, her. have you seen that photo? No, but now I'm going to Google it. Oh my gosh, Google it right now. They did this like infamous photo where I think they're in like jeans and a t-shirt or something and they're sitting on the steps outside and she's eating pickles out of like the big ass pickle jars. It's so bizarre. It's like her maternity photo shoot, like instead of a glowing breezy outfit, it's like pickles. (laughs) Her like big ass lips are... (laughs) Oh my gosh, you guys, the photo that comes up when I Googled, it's still, I think... And he's got the pickle in one end of his mouth. She's got the pickle in the other end of her mouth. Stop, stop, stop. You're going to make me gag. You're going to make me gag. You wish you were on the other end of that pickle. (laughs) I'm like, okay, you want to do another pickle photo shoot? Yeah, fine. I'll do it. I don't actually even see the final images. I just see these stills that are not, I don't know. Hmm. That's a choice. It is a choice. (laughs) Well, there was one positive thing that came out of that relationship. It is her two kids because they are the cutest, most adorable, most intelligent children that I've ever seen grace the screens of Bravo. They are so smart and they're just like, I want Phaedra back so we can see her evolution and the kids evolution. Mm -hmm. And so we can see Apollo come back on the screen because he does make a debut in this newest season. Oh, he is talking to Sheree. And I don't know if you know this, but Sheree's boyfriend was in prison. And it sounds like Apollo and Sheree's boyfriend crossed paths in prison at one point. Hmm. And he has a cameo and he is kind of giving Phaedra advice of like what happens after prison, what guys are like when they get out. Oh, no, no. You mean the other girl, not he's giving Phaedra advice. Oh, Sheree. I'm sorry. Sheree. Thank you. Oh, wow. Imagine getting advice from Apollo. I don't know if I take it. To be quite honest with you. I mean. (laughs) 
but I'd listen while he told me about it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You're too ridiculous. It started with, I don't know why Phaedra would ever marry him and be with him until like both of you are just done. <laughs> I'm getting manipulated by him and he's not even here. <laughs> oh, the, how quickly the tables have turned. He's so charming. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say that when I was watching this season, the season premiere last week, I think it was doing the previews for the upcoming season and I saw him. So I was like, okay, I don't know where he falls into place, but now that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we should maybe do a follow-up episode of this and we should do a deep dive into Sheree's boyfriend. Yes. Because I don't really know a lot about him. I don't know what he was in prison for, but I mean, he was actively in prison when Sheree was on the show last, like she was calling the federal. It's the same guy. Yeah. It's the same guy. Oh Yeah. So I think we should do maybe another deep dive on that. But yeah, while we're here, we're going to do a deep dive into the charges. Lauren, do you want to break down what he was charged with? Sure. So he was charged with embezzling and conspiracy to commit mail, wire, and bank fraud. He violated 18 USC 641, which is like the code section. Whoever embezzles, steals, purloins. By the way, that word is so weird. I had never heard it before. Or knowingly converts or the use of another or without authority sells, conveys, or disposes of any record, voucher, money, or thing of value of the United States or any department or agency thereof or any property or being made under contract for the United States or any department or agency thereof or anyone who receives, conceals, or retains the same with intent to convert it to his use or gain. Holy crap. I know. That's a lot of or, 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 or. I mean, or, and or, or, or. <laughs> yeah. Like, so basically everyone doing anything. No, just kidding. But it's illegal to basically take things that could belong to the government or do belong to the government and then use it for yourself. That's like long story short of that whole code section. And Apollo, he happened to do that a couple times when he like stole checks. We'll get into the nitty gritty. Yeah. And this is why people don't like the law because what you just read sounded like right gobbledygook. I know while I was reading it, I was like, wait, am I okay? Is this another or? <laughs> right. So then he was also charged with Title 18 USC Section 1028 parent A, which states in relevant part, whoever during and in relation to any felony violation enumerated in subsection C knowingly transfers, possesses, or uses without lawful authority, a means of identification of another person shall, in addition to punishment provided for such felony, be sentenced to a term of two years. And I was not aware of how many identities were stolen in this grand scheme. Same. And then the last part was Title 18 of USC Section 1344, which states, whoever knowingly executes or attempts to execute a scheme or artifice to defraud a financial institution or to obtain any of the monies, funds, credits, assets, securities, or other property owned by or under the custody or control of a financial institution by means of a false or fraudulent pretenses, representations, or promises shall be fined not more than $1 million or imprisoned not more than 30 years or both. So to summarize and to put it in layman's terms, he was basically charged with embezzlement, theft, conversion of public money, 
aggregated identity theft, bank fraud, and conspiracy. Yeah. They'll always get junk conspiracy. That's what we always say here at Allegedly Bravo. We always say that. And so he pled guilty to bank fraud and was sentenced eventually, right, to 96 months in prison. And I was not aware of how complex this fraud was. We'll be back after a quick break. Finding Ruby is the incredible true story of a 16-year-old tricked by a seemingly innocent Facebook message. A message that would lead her from the protection of the mountains to the nightmare of an online trafficking den. Her first message to me was like, Hi, are you looking for a job? Ruby is hidden from the world, from everyone except her abusers. But she isn't alone. There is a team of people looking for her, and they will stop at nothing to find her. This isn't just the fight of her life, it's their fight too. Search for Finding Ruby today. I wasn't either. Like when I was reading the complaint, I was blown away by how detailed and deep this entire thing went. This was a lot of money. See, I kind of was thinking that Apollo, you know, stole granny's checkbook and like, you know, Mm -hmm. paid himself a couple grand. I had no idea that this was like millions of dollars and people's identities. I don't know if you guys feel this way, but I'm always impressed, I guess, at the, at how smart and detailed and like, it's so much work to be this criminal activity. This wasn't like an easy cash grab. So I wonder when you are creating shell businesses, stealing identities, creating bank account, like doing all of this, this is not like a quick buck. So I don't know why you just don't use your intelligence for something good. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or something that won't land you in prison. You're obviously smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. I've always wondered that, like, why are you not putting the time and energy that you're putting into the scheme into creating an actual lawful business that can generate profit? Because obviously you have charm, we're able to find capital and you're able to, you know, manipulate people into participating in the scheme with you. So it's like, why couldn't you do that by creating an actual lawful business and having a company? Because he had created, and going back to like Lauren, your point, Mm -hmm. I thought he had one business. Right. And then was just like cashing checks and embezzling money here and there. But it was like multiple, multiple companies and shell corporations that he created, right? Yeah. So from the complaint, it all started with this woman named Gala St. Julian. And that's who he's talking about in the beginning when he's like, oh, somebody turned me in. It's this lady, I guess. So she kicked off this entire thing when JP Morgan Chase, which is, you know, Sonia Morgan's ex-husband's family started investigating this woman because they were like, look, she has four bank accounts with two stolen identities. We got to look into this. Yeah. And JP Morgan Chase investigators referred it over to the United States investigators and they looked into it and actually found that Miss. St. Julian opened and used more than 40 bank accounts using the real identities of real people and the extent to the amounts of money, which these bank accounts had in them are incredible. One had over $725,000 in deposits, another one, 600,000. And this one North Point Volvo Inc., had over $271,000 in deposits. And of those deposits, 22 of them were made by checks 
stolen U.S. treasury checks. You guys, I mean, I apologize if this sounds ignorant and I sound stupid, but I don't even get how you do that. How do you decide, like, are you creating the false check? Are you, how do you wrap your head around this scheme? Where does it start? Is someone teaching you this? Are you Googling it? Are you watching YouTube videos? Because (laughs) this is stuff that I don't think is common knowledge unless I'm totally naive to this world. I don't know. Well, the thing that confused me, and maybe my reading comprehension is poor, but I didn't understand. (laughs) In reading the complaint, I didn't understand. Okay. When you open up a business, you have your business name and it's owned by whomever. I know those businesses were created in fake names. So they were stealing identities and then creating a business in that person's name. Then they have to open up a bank account in the business name. But the checks they were depositing, were they all made out to this business? Were they made out to this person who's on the account? And then how, I guess it just, you have to have so many bank accounts and so many stolen identities. And I just don't, I didn't quite understand how particularly the checks that were stolen from the unclaimed property checks, where were they being deposited into? I just didn't, I just didn't understand all of it. And again, maybe it's because of, maybe I'm stupid or it's because. You're definitely not stupid. (laughs) Yeah. I just think it's because you're not a criminal, you know, like your brain knows how to lawfully deposit checks into bank accounts. And so Uh it's hard for you to rationalize how to do it in the inverse and do it in an unlawful manner. Right. I'm like, well, I can deposit a check in my husband's name or my name. That's all I know how to do really. Yeah. Cause in our heads, we're not thinking like, I've never once been like, wow, how can I get away with depositing $20,000 that doesn't belong to me that belongs to somebody else? Like, how do I go about doing that? That is not something that's ever crossed my mind. So I guess if that's how your brain works, you know, you'll find a means to the end or a means to the end. Yeah. 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 I I can't even get over like, I'll use my pin number wrong once and I'm locked out of my card (laughs) forever. And I have to change all my pin numbers and everything. And this man can just go and open up tons of accounts and what no lockout. I don't get it. Well, and I also wondered too, I would love to know the people that he had stolen the identities from. Like, are those people that are deceased? Are those people that are older and like a more vulnerable group? Because I mean, I feel like nowadays with identity theft or like if all of our credit cards are on apps and there's so many, like it will alert you if somebody has stolen your identity or opens up a bank account. And so who do we think these people are? Just random people? Or do you think he's targeting a specific group? Well, I think like we also have to remember that this started approximately in 2009. Yeah. And I think that now we have the Experian or Equifax like alerts and people are more aware of it now. And I don't think people are paying as close attention. I don't know who they are, but I would have to imagine because I'm just going to back it up a little bit. One of the businesses or two of the businesses that he started were these fake debt collection businesses. And I thought this was so interesting because he had to create the business in a fake name because he obviously couldn't do it under his own name because of probably his criminal background. They wouldn't let him have access to Lexus or Equifax. But then they said that when you started the business, I think people had to go and confirm this was a legitimate business. So they actually did go out there, confirm this is a real business. And then, so I'm assuming that when he was using these background check companies like Lexus or Equifax, he was probably targeting people that he knew he could get away with a little bit easier. I do think though that I found that part of the scheme, the part of him creating these shell corporations for collection companies that would have access to LexisNexis, which is generally something that is used by like creditors or law enforcement. 
to gain access to personal identifiable information that's not, you know, available to the general public. So he was creating this with the intention of being able to then have access to a program where he could steal more people's identities. Yeah. Like it is so diabolical. Mm-hmm. What I thought was interesting too is LexisNexis is used by attorneys a lot. So I'm like, yes, yes. did he ever use Phaedra's account? Did he ever get into I was thinking that too. I was actually going to ask you guys, do you think Phaedra had any idea that this was going on? She obviously says no, but do you guys have an opinion? Okay. This is going to be controversial. Okay. I believe Phaedra did not know. Mm -hmm. I find Phaedra saying she didn't know more believable than Erica Jane saying she did not know. Oh, we're going to have an argument. (laughs) So I think that Phaedra was so personally successful in her own business that I think she was smart. And I think that she had her own bank accounts. And I think then Apollo, the money he was collecting was in his own separate account. I do not think the monies were commingled. And she was also successful. Like she was buying him gifts. I don't think that there were any red flags there. But again, that's me. That's just based on me watching the show. Mm-hmm. But, but whereas Erica is just like so obsessed with the finances. And like if I had Erica or Phaedra on the stand, I would find Phaedra to be credible. And I would find Erica, I would think there was a, a lack of credibility with her testimony. That hasn't happened yet. <laughs> okay. So obviously I don't watch Atlanta, so I can't really say anything. I don't know Phaedra at all. I can't speak to that, but I would have red flags just as a woman who married a man straight out of yeah. prison, That's who fair. probably I would assume was either on, he had to have been on some sort of supervised release, parole, you know, something like that when he got out. Let's also not forget that I think it was a car theft scheme. It was another like white collar crime. Racketeering. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he's making enough money to, he has a lot of money. I mean, that's a giant red flag right there. Whether or not it goes into her bank account. I think that if he, and I don't know what kind of lifestyle he's living, but I have to imagine he wasn't like, honey, I need $5 for McDonald's. I assume he had his own money that he was flashing around. And I think as a smart woman, a lawyer, a businesswoman, that would raise red flags. Cause you'd be like, how the hell are you making money? Mm-hmm. But how do we know he's flashing? You know, I don't, I would need to have some type of evidence that he was living an extravagant lifestyle. Well, he drove a BMW. He was wearing really nice clothes. He had diamond jewelry. And that's just not something that comes with your exit package from prison. But again, Phaedra is extremely successful. And we don't know like what she, and Phaedra strikes me as a person that is very giving. And I don't know. I don't know. Why am I like a Phaedra Apollo apologist? (laughs) And I'm only taking my personality. I'm a little bit... I would like to say I'm a little bit controlling. I'm probably a lot controlling. And I think if my husband was going to work every day, I'd be like, what the hell are you doing? Like, I would have an idea. Even if the money didn't ever touch my account, I would think that I would have questions about what he was doing. Okay, so if Apollo, though, was living the lifestyle of that of Erica Jane, where Erica Jane is gloating about her wealth, she's bragging about spending $50,000 a month on glam. You know, she's wearing off the runway clothes. Like if I was getting that from Apollo, I would say, okay. Or Phaedra was wearing. Yeah, but we also have to remember the scale here. Like, yes, this is a lot of money. It's over a million dollars. But in Erica's case, it was like well over $25 million. Like, But also Tom Girardi, I'm not an Erica apologist, but we can talk about Tom. 
I would love to talk about Tom. (laughs) So Erica though, wasn't the one engaging in criminal activity. It was Tom. When she met him, he was a wealthy, very successful plaintiff's attorney. Mm -hmm. So she had no reason to ever question the amount of money that was coming in because he had legitimate, like billions of dollars in settlements, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in verdicts. He was based on what I do. I mean, I'm a plaintiff's attorney in Orange County. I know Tom Girardi. I've worked with his firm. Tom Girardi was the guy, you know, like, so if that's your husband and he's always making money and you're always getting it you would never have a reason to question it in Phaedra and Apollo's situation. Apollo's the criminal. Like, Mm -hmm. so him having any amount of money, I think would raise a red flag as to like, what are you doing? How are you earning any kind of money? Erica never worked, never had to work. So I don't think she'd have reason to question where the money was coming from. In my opinion. We'll be back after a quick break. Were you team Backstreet Boys or sync? Brittany or Christina? Simple Life or Newlyweds? With When They Popped, you don't have to pick a side because we're going to mention it all. When They Popped retells the stories of the late 90s and early 2000s biggest celebrities, trends, and phenomena like boy band mania, celebrity-based reality TV, and the rise of famous for being famous socialites. We'll unpack their rise to fame and uncover some facts you may have not known along the way. So throw up your away message and throw it back with us with When They Popped. Available wherever you stream your podcasts. That's fair. I agree with all of you. Yeah, I was going to say some words. They're both equally bad. (laughs) I can be right. That's okay. (laughs) I'm kidding. (laughs) Okay. So I think it's important that we just like circle back with these businesses. The way that the businesses were discovered to be Apollo's businesses are because the lady who stole all the accounts we first mentioned, she was being very helpful with the U.S. investigator. And so she was literally calling Apollo on a recorded line and having him describe the whole scheme and everything to her. And that's what led the feds to get to Apollo. And that's how they learned he had the two companies, like we talked about, Onyx Collection and Locators and Reliance Recovery and Collections Group. Can we also say my favorite part of the complaint was what she described herself as? She was Apollo's right-hand bitch. That's how she <laughs> described herself. Oh I was like, that was probably my favorite thing that I read. <laughs> but yeah, she pretty much, I love when they say cooperating. So she ratted him out. Yeah, exactly. She totally ratted him out. I just love all of this. And I feel like if I were Jen Shaw listening to this episode, I would be scared. Yeah. I would be too. It's giving me Jen Shaw, Stu Chains vibes. This, oh, right. The working together. I mean, yes, we don't know for sure if there's cooperation happening from Stu Chains with Jen Shaw, but I don't know. Yes. Like, you're never working alone when you're a criminal. You're always working with somebody or working with a group of people. Like, it's very rare if you're operating some type of white collar crime that you're alone. Cash, can I ask you when you were a prosecutor, did you, I know it was early on in your career. So, I'm guessing you can tell me if I'm wrong that you dealt mostly with like misdemeanor crimes. Mm-hmm. Did you ever do any white collar crimes or nothing? No, the closest thing I would come to like fraud is contractors. Oh, mm-hmm. that happened a lot. Contractors being fraudulent and super, super shady. And it happens more often than you think. And if you are building a home, make sure you check the business license or the contractor license of whoever you are paying. Do not trust them and take their word. Do your research because I've seen people get screwed over, but that's it. But generally like with white collar crimes, you have a separate unit within the DA's office that specializes in that. And it's kind of boring. 
<laughs> I mean, I got to imagine it's a lot of reading going through bank. Like, yeah, it's a lot of paperwork. Generally like people that are math people or science, like more transactional in their practice, or they tend to gravitate towards that. So God bless them. Yeah. I thought we all go to law school because we're not good at math. Yeah. Isn't that why? Yeah. That's why I went. <laughs> or as Amber heard, that's why I'm an actress and not a mathematician. <laughs> okay, wait, you guys, I'm so sorry to segue this, but I have to bring this up. Okay. Have you guys seen the video circulating around Amber Heard and Johnny Depp? That trial where Amber Heard is sniffing something into her nose with a tissue. And it's not just once, it's like five or six times. I think she's picking her nose. No. Allegra, have you seen it? So the only thing I've seen, my husband actually asked me about this. He's like, looks like she's snorting Coke on the stand. I'm like, there's no way. But the one that I saw, she like has the tissue and it's almost like she's pausing for a photo, like yeah. sniffling. And then I'm going to pause so that I get the camera can take the shot of me wiping my fake snot or whatever. Yeah. I'm on your husband's side. That seems so brazen. So brazen <laughs> in front of a judge. I mean, that's a bull. That's what he said. He's like, but I'm like, who would do that? <laughs> who would do that? Amber Heard would do that. But the other thing Apollo did that I thought was insane is he created fake car dealerships and like made entire websites for these car dealerships and then took out auto loans, a bunch of auto loans. And so he would just collect all the money and like, that's it. That one seemed like the easiest and smartest one to me. I was like, that's a good idea. That is a good (laughs) idea. Yeah, but then you have to pay it back. Like it's not in your name. So you never have to pay it back. Yeah. I mean, it's in Molly F's name or whatever, you know, uh-huh. I know, but I don't like it. I can't stand when people steal money from people. Like it's so egregious. I think part of his reason he felt that he should have leniency is because he's just stealing from the government or from like big comp is he's not stealing a person's money, you know, like. I mean, I'm not saying that's a good excuse, but I think that's (laughs) how people justify some of their actions. Like I didn't steal from the little old lady who only had her retirement left. I stole from this big corporation who will never notice. It's a write-off on their taxes and we can move on. Mm -hmm. I think that's how people justify what they do. Yeah. And I think that that whole rationale is like, it's a victimless crime, you know? Yeah. No one's being harmed. But in reality, I mean, if these people are alive, the persons that he's stealing identities from, I mean, that goes on your credit score. You have to contest that. Like it is such, that is so difficult. You know, that happened to me when I was trying to go to college. Someone had taken out already a fuck ton of loans in my name and I couldn't get any loans to go to college. And my dad had to talk to like so many people and figure it out so that I could go. Cause like I got Apolloed. I've been Jen Shod and Apolloed. Wait, you've been Jen Shod? We've both been Jen Shod. I've been Jen Shod by Jen Shaw and by other people. <laughs> oh, I heard about that on your podcast when <laughs> she DM'd you about the merch, right? The swag? Oh, yes. yes. Yeah. Oh, I'll never forgive her. Liar, liar, pants on fire. We have yet to see any other communication from her. And I will say that after we dropped our merch, she dropped merch. Mm-hmm. So it's not a coincidence. It's not a coincidence. There's no such thing as coincidences. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so really what Apollo was doing was, is he was taking identities of people. He'd then provide that to this Julian lady, right? With the driver's, fake driver's license that had pictures, her picture on it, right? Yeah. She'd provide the ID and instructions to open bank accounts, fake business names with the stolen identity corresponding documents. Including all the Secretary of State stuff. Like he fully registered these. Yeah. And then they would create these fake companies and just get money. 
It's a money grab. You know what I'm surprised is that they weren't prosecuted for any sort of tax fraud. Cause that's usually what gets people. Right? Maybe it's yet to come, but I feel like if you, I'm guessing he's not paying taxes on his stolen money. Right. Yeah. I doubt that. So he was eventually sentenced to 96 months in prison. Mm -hmm. So that's a total of eight years. Oh, I'm sorry. It was eight years with five years of supervised release after he was released. But then he had submitted a motion for early termination. Correct, Allegra? You sent that to us. I think it was an early termination of release. No. So after he was released and he was out on parole, he filed a petition for early termination of his probation, his parole. But there was another motion that was on, I believe, or there was an order from the court that they reduced his sentence. And so it went from 96 months to 84 months. He got credit for time served. And then he was on the, usually I think it's called PRCS, but I don't know what they call it in federal prison. What's PRCS mean? It's like public community supervised release. Oh, yeah. And then interesting, so in the documents you sent us, Allegra, they talk about how he would travel after he was released, he would travel out of state to all of these different gigs, right? Like they said that he was getting offers to be a speaker. And so I found that very confusing. Like what's he speaking at? What is speaking engagements is he doing? I mean, people love celebrities and maybe he's like a rehabilitated criminal and he's coming to talk to people about, yeah, you know, I don't know. Like Captain Sandy, how she does inspirational speaking. Like maybe he's (laughs) just like, you too can defraud millions. (laughs) Uh, He could write a solid like fraud for dummies or something. That'd probably be a good book. It probably would be very on point. What would be genius is for him to write like a memoir. I would buy that. Like a legitimate memoir where he tells his story. He should do a calendar. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> but- a picture book. <laughs> oh my God. The shade. <laughs> so obviously he's eventually released. He's jotting around the nation, doing these public speaking gigs. He then goes to Miami for a speaking gig. Mm-hmm. Or some type of business deal. And he's picked up and arrested in Florida when he's making entry into a hotel. And in one of the court documents, it said that it was a local ordinance violation. And Lauren and I did a little deep dive on Reddit to figure out what that meant. And it was, allegedly, he was resisting an officer. Yeah, I read that too. I don't really know that any more details, though, about what that yeah. entails. No, and I guess the charges were eventually dropped. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good for him. Good for you, Apollo. I know, one win. That's one, one win. win. Except it kind of turned into like not a win because as a condition of release is generally no police contact. Yes. So when he was arrested, he had to inform his probation officer and then they modified his parole or probation and they put him on a curfew and ankle monitoring. So yes. <laughs> although his charges were dropped, he basically got screwed again. So a win and a loss. So generally that is what happens. So if you have somebody on probation or somebody on parole and they pick up a new charge, if the charges aren't that strong and you don't find them to be that successful, or if it's a first time violation, what you do is you say, Hey, I'll agree to drop these charges, but we have to modify your probation or parole to include some type of extra restriction as a penalty to the conduct you engaged in. So it's kind of a win-win because you're like, Hey, you're not getting an extra charge, but we're going to modify probation. So but GPS monitoring, not fun. Mm-mm. Yeah, I bet. Do they have to charge the ankle monitors or is it battery powered or what? Is it waterproof? Like what if you want to go swimming? I have a lot of questions. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's waterproof. I don't know about the charging. I didn't really pay attention or ask <laughs> those types of questions. So I think they do have to be charged. 
yeah, I won't say how I know this, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure not me personally, but I do have a friend who, yeah, who's learned about charging. Them. Yeah. <laughs> she got to sit by that outlet and stick her ankle up and plug in that USB. <laughs> yeah. So he is not really happy about having to be on a more strict parole or probation. Can you cash give the explanation of the difference between parole and probation? Cause I mean, I know from just like California law, I don't know if it's different in federal, like once you come out on federal release, if it's always called parole or I don't know how it works. Yeah, I would assume federally because federal prison, it's a parole violation because you're in prison for felony charges. But generally, you can be on probation for some felony charges. But parole, I mean, if you're a habitual offender. What's the difference? Like parole is much more. You've gone to prison. So you have to like check in harder with your. Yeah, you have a parole officer. Oftentimes your conditions of a release are much more strict. A lot of people that are released from federal prisons, just like Apollo, when he was released from federal prison, he had to go to a halfway house. Oh, okay. So it's like harder to be released on parole. You have to be more behaved. Think more aggravated offensive, more, more serious offenses, parole. Yeah. Less serious offenses, first time offenders think probation. One of the reasons why he was released from prison early was because he completed a residential drug abuse program. Oh, good. And so I'm interested because it's like, did he complete that program just because his attorney advised him to do so and it would look good to the parole board? Or did he do it because he actually suffers from some type of substance abuse issue? Because I didn't know, I was not aware if there were substance abuse issues in his past. I wasn't either. But I thought that was an interesting program for him to complete. Yeah, I didn't read anything that would give us reason to believe that there was any sort of substance abuse issue. But sometimes Mm -hmm. it seems like if you just complete all these programs while you're in prison, it makes you look good. So I don't know. But did you guys see, because we were just talking about parole and when he was first released. So he spent, what, he was in prison from... 2014 and then he was released in 2019 but then nine days later after he was released he was rearrested for violating a quote technical condition of his release do you know what the technical i wonder what it is i looked probably a curfew oh maybe a curfew violation oh my god curfew wow i hope i never go to jail yeah i mean for many reasons (laughs) prison I mean, going to prison is stressful. I mean, I can't imagine. I cannot imagine getting off of the bus, entering into the facility, just realizing and having it hit you as to where you are and how long you're there. Like that has to be just a dark moment. It gives me anxiety and I'm like, I know, right on that path at all. Oh, really quickly regarding the rehabilitative drug program. It says on the website, the federalprisontime.com, it says, are all federal inmates who have used or sold drugs eligible for the rehabilitative drug program? And it says, no, only eligible inmates are those who have a verifiable substance use disorder, are willing and able to participate in the program, sign a statement accepting responsibility for the obligations of the program, have at least 24 months of sentence remaining, and are able to complete all three phases of RDAP including community-based program in a halfway house. So he clearly had to have had some type of... Maybe he had some toilet hooch. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I liked this episode. I thought it was really fun learning about Apollo. And as always, my lid's been blown off by how crazy these crimes are because I feel like when I heard about it, I just thought he stole checks from grandma. I know. I had no idea. 
I think he stole checks from grandma, the U.S. Treasury, right. stole some identities of some grandma's bank, friends, some car loans, <laughs> took some car loans out in grandma's name, and you know, <laughs> lived a baller life in Atlanta. He really did. He really did. Before we move on to criminal behavior, can I ask you, mm-hmm. Allegra, to just talk a little bit about Tom Girardi and like you? Yes, yes, you yes. just okay. So, like I said, I'm a plaintiff's attorney. I do mostly personal injury cases. I for a while, I can't really say specialized, but most cases I took on were sexual abuse or abuse cases. So I represented one particular case. I represented three students who had been molested by a teacher. And there were multiple victims. There was one victim who was represented by Girardi Keys, which is Tom Girardi's old firm. So actually kind of funny, the reason we found out that Tom's firm was representing one of the boys is because we see the filing, the complaint, and they actually almost verbatim copied our complaint. Oh. And my partner and I at the time, I had my own law firm for five years with a partner. She and I were like, Girardi Keys stole our complaint. Like we were kind of like (laughs) both flattered and shocked because it's fine in the law. Like you can... Why reinvent the wheel? You know, it's commonplace to share pleadings and, you know, blitz and whatever. Yeah. 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 But it's like, it's Girardi Keys. I thought I knew Tom Girardi, you know, from Aaron Brockovich and I knew who he was in the plaintiff's world. So I was, we were both like, okay, we kind of were. So you're a really good lawyer. (laughs) Well, no, they're just really lazy is how it turned out. Yeah. (laughs) Probably a combination of both. So our cases are all consolidated, meaning because it was, one defendant, multiple victims. We kind of all did discovery together, took depots together because we didn't need to be one person's taking a depot and then we take the same one. So we actually did all the work and they just showed up to everything and got copies of all of of everything. Shocking. Right. But I actually really liked the associate that I worked with on the file. He was a young attorney at the time. I mean, so was I, but so that's how I, we got the kind of, we knew the firm because we were working closely with them. And then we actually went to the Girardi party in Vegas. I don't know if you've ever read about those parties. I've read those, about those parties. parties that he would throw in Vegas. We went to one and they had sticks perform. So they rented out like the steakhouse at the Wynn, which is like, it was very fancy. Oh my and God. yeah, sticks came and performed. Like it's the fanciest party I've ever been to in my entire life. Hands down. Like oh my everything God. open, everything, you know, and it was pretty cool. Kind of. I'm not going to lie. so fun. <laughs> my jaw is on the floor. This was in 2017, I think. Oh my God. That this happened. And then. Was Erica there? No. And we were like, oh, is Erica going to be here? Is Erica? No, oh. but Erica was not there. But Tom was. And then his brother, Jack, is who I actually knew. And Jack was lovely. Like mm. he, this is going to sound like a humble brag, but they're silly. You know, those super lawyer awards. Mm-hmm. Well, I got one and it was like super lawyer rising star. And he wrote me like a hand note, handwritten note that was just like, congratulations. It's like in my book, your star's already risen and like oh. love Jack, like very classy. Yeah. Oh, just a nice, good so sweet. man. Yeah. I really liked Jack a lot. And, you know, I had no idea what was going on within the firm. And then I met Tom at another work event. I posted that picture the other day yeah, on, our, on our Legally 40-ish Instagram. It was a Google photo memory and it's me and Tom Girardi at this party. It just made me laugh. Um, that was 2019, <laughs> which was like right before the collapse of Girardi Keys. And I'll tell you, Tom seemed pretty with it. So really, wow. That is a controversial opinion. <laughs> well, that's not even opinion. That's, that's crazy. <laughs> I mean, he was at the bar chatting with another attorney. I walked up there to grab a drink and I said, hi. And we started talking and yeah, he was, you heard it here first. <laughs> when you found out about it all, like when the news hit, did you believe it at first? Or were you like, what? 
there's no way. Cause like you worked with these people. Yes. I believed it because I had no reason not to. Yeah. But I was really just so incredibly shocked at the downfall. And then of course, once it happened, people started talking more about like, oh, well, we know he didn't pay his attorney's referral fees. So people, there were whispers around, but he was so powerful. People weren't talking about it like openly. Mm-hmm. People probably thought it was an isolated incident. Like, oh, it's probably just my firm. And then yeah. when it dropped, everyone started. Yeah. Like, oh, wait, he didn't pay you either. Oh, he didn't pay yeah. you. And and there are attorneys that are kind of known for like not paying referral fees. And you don't think it's because they're cash strapped. You think it's just because they're an asshole, like not necessarily because they don't have the money. And I would have never guessed in a million years that Gerardi Keys had no money. Like that just like, yes, they lived this extravagant lifestyle and you know, going, throwing these parties and doing all of that, but they were making lots of money. So it just doesn't make sense where the money went. That was the thing that was super confusing. And also really, really just sad because I could never imagine stealing from your clients. It's just something that, and I think the part that upset me the most and confused me the most is the whole state bar involvement in it. Oh, I know. And their lack of doing anything despite, you know, so many complaints because like one time we accidentally wrote a business license check from our trust account instead of our operating account. Mm-hmm. And it was like $25. And the freaking bar called, like we got a letter from the state bar. Yeah. And it's like, so the state bar is on top of it. Yeah. And we didn't even do anything wrong because there were no client funds in there. So it wasn't even that we used client funds to pay our $25 business license. Right. It was just a weird accident or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Allegra, have you been following the LA Times lawsuit against the state bar? A little bit. Regarding Girardi Keys. So I didn't know they filed a lawsuit. I knew the state bar has been... They were being investigated and for their lack of investigation of Girardi keys. Yeah. So I was at a conference recently and one of the attorney for the LA times was present and he was discussing Tom Girardi and all of what you just talked about. And also how he has been requesting documents from the state bar and how the state bar has been pushing back upon the release of these records. And so I believe that they're in early stages of litigation. I think you can check the court docket, but I'm intrigued by it. I'm very intrigued by it because I think what the LA Times is saying is like, hey, look, we should have access to this public record. It deals with somebody who's licensed in the state of California. And we feel like somebody's hiding something there and you guys are. No, I think that's wonderful. I think they should. I think that there should be full transparency into any investigation to the state bar because, you know, everything needs to have a check and balance in order for things to run well. And it's going to erode all confidence in the state bar if they're not Mm -hmm. doing what they should be. And it's frustrating as an attorney who practices in this state and we don't want the legitimacy of our practice to be questioned. And it's just, Mm -hmm. it's really disappointing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think once you're disbarred, it's a sustained finding that something happened where you are no longer eligible to practice law. And I think once you have that, the record should be open for totally. inspection. Yeah. It should be open to the public to review during the investigatory phase, or if there's an appeal process, understandable to delay disclosure. But I mean, if you have a disbarred attorney who is a public figure also, like, I think there's an argument that weighs in favor of disclosing, but I agree. And if you have, if there's the only privacy rights that should be protected or even considered would be those of the people complaining. I was trying to say the right word, but I couldn't say it. I just redact their information. And then otherwise any complaints that they've made and whatever investigation or lack thereof should be public record, I think as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. But yeah. So that's my history with Tom Girardi and Girardi Keys. Obsessed. Love <laughs> loved that. Okay. So do we want to do criminal behaviors? Yes. Do you have any cash? Well, my criminal behavior is people that do not watch Atlanta. That is criminal. <laughs> you should be arrested and you should be locked up in federal penitentiary. Well, I'm watching now, so I good, shouldn't good, be good. locked up. 
you're off the, yeah. Okay, good. Do you have one, Allegra? Oh, can it be serious? Yes. How about what the Supreme Court is doing to our fundamental rights? So I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> and while we're on that note, go listen to her episode on that because it's fabulous and Thank you. really explains so much in depth and everyone needs to listen to it. My criminal behavior is whistling in the workplace. I firmly believe that if you are going to whistle while you work, no, you need to go to jail. I had a boss that did that. My boss does that now. And I'm just like, (laughs) I'm gonna die. (laughs) Whistling in the workplace and humming in the workplace. He whistles so loud. Even when the door shut, can hear it. The only reason I was okay with it at our old firm is because we had a huge, like, one floor mm-hmm. and you'd know he was coming because you could hear him oh, yeah. it was like he's coming okay let's <laughs> pretend to work you know yeah, pull up your screens <laughs> exactly well thank you so much for coming on here and everybody go check out legally 40 ish do you want to plug all your stuff sure yeah you can find us on instagram at legally 40 ish and it's four zero ish our podcast is legally 40 ish we try to come out with something every week but you know, it's hard some days. <laughs> so yeah, you can check us out wherever you are listening to this. Yay. And thank you guys so much for listening. Don't forget to check out our Patreon and go get some merch on the morally corrupt website, morallycorrupt.com slash allegedly Bravo and our Instagram at allegedly Bravo. This was so fun. Let's do it again with Sheree's husband. Yes. Yeah. And I would love to have you guys on our podcast. It might be a little hectic with four of us, but if you don't mind talking about some con law and political stuff too, we would love that. Oh yeah. Okay, cool. I would love to. That would be so fun. Would love it too. Okay. Well, thank Thank you you so so much much for being here. Thank you ladies.